0: Jesus, uh, thank you for today. Um, thank you for this, this opportunity to, to be in your house. Lord, uh, we realize that it's, it's, a, it's a privilege and it's an honor to, to be here. Uh, thank you just for your grace and protecting us this week. Uh, thank you just for, for your mercy. Um, Lord, thank you for just for who you are for us. And and as we look at a very familiar text today, we just pray this for your grace, we pray for your wisdom, and most of all, we pray for you, for you to speak. This is your word, and I just ask you to to speak a lot more loudly, a lot more clearly um, than what I'm going to speak today, because your word and your speaking changes lives. And so, Jesus, we just ask for your grace, Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Cool. I hate talking with gum in my mouth. It's gross. It's gross. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in a very familiar place of scripture. Super familiar. Super familiar. Super, super, super familiar. Um, this is a very quick story though. Like, this is the place where we're going to be today. This was the very first passage that my mom tried to get me to memorize. Like, the very first one. I think I might have been playing Super... You might not... Kids in the room might not know what Super Nintendo is. She's like, yeah, it's an antique. You know what I'm saying? You know, the relic. You know, the relic that was a Super Nintendo. Yeah, right there in the heart. I feel it, right? You know what I'm talking about. And so... Well, I was playing Super Nintendo. So I'm playing Super Nintendo. I've been playing Super Mario World. And my mom comes in the room. She says, we're going to... Um, do this thing where before you play Nintendo, you got to like recite Bible verse. And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, well, what? "I just look confused." I was like, "That's the thing we do at church. We we do that at church. You know, we read the Bible at church. Like, what? What? You're you're just mixing things up. It's Nintendo time. And so, um, and so we we just started this process of trying to learn memorize scripture. Now this, we only we'd progress past this. <laughs> I wasn't too great of a student. And, um, and so before I would play Nintendo, um, I have an older brother as well. And so my older brother and I would have to do this. And he was actually better memorizing things than I was. And so he would always go first. And so I hadn't looked at the passage like all week, you know. And I played Nintendo a lot. <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention to Bible at all. And so my brother, you know, it would be like a Saturday or whatever. All right, Wayne, come in here. And he would recite but he would always go first, so then I would be listening to him, and then I would recite it after him um, because, you know, I was looking at it during the week, but I would just hear him say it, and then I would, like, mimic the words a little bit. It's very familiar. It's a very familiar place. Now, for some of us, we might remember this passage something like this. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me. I still speak King James like and I don't mean to sometimes, but I still speak King James. And that's how I, I memorize this, this passage somehow. Um, <clears throat> he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And, and I, and sometimes I'll still say yay. You, know, I, you can't use that in it, you know, contemporary. I, I wrote a paper one time and I put yay verily in it and that's just King James. It just, it just comes out sometimes and it's just so weird. And my friends make fun of me. <laughs> but, so yay though I walk. So if you're in the King James, so I'm coming out of the ESV, but this is just the version that I, you know, kind of struggle memorizing it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For some of us, that's how we remembered that this passage of Scripture. But when we, when we look at this text, this is a very challenging text. This is a, this is a text that, that I dare say that is very confrontational from the very beginning. From the very beginning when we look at just the first couple words, the Lord is my shepherd. This confrontational. This is very um, you can't, there are some ideas packed into those first couple of words that challenge self-reliance and self-dependence. It challenges um, the sort of materialistic culture that we live in with you got to have that, and you got to have that, you always got to get some more stuff. This passage even deals with the reality of bad things happen to good people, like all of that. All of that is in these verses. So when we think about this reality, the Lord is my shepherd. And when we think about the reality that we go through bad times sometimes, when we think about the reality that for, for almost no reason things happen, it seemingly, and we walk um, some some tough times the reality is that the Lord is our shepherd and question for us is how how can the Lord be our shepherd what is this shepherd like and another question we're going to look at is how can david say how just and we're going to take some time on that part but how can david With confidence that the Lord is my shepherd. How can David even say those? We're going to walk through some passages of scripture. But just in our brief time today, we're going to look at four characteristics of the good shepherd. We're just going to look at four characteristics. We're going to look at the first couple words in in the Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. We see that we have a shepherd who is personal. We have a shepherd who is personal. One of the complicated things about this is that it doesn't give us historical context, right? You, you, You know, the Psalm doesn't say, you know, Psalm 23, and here's what David was doing in his life. You know, he was you know, king. You know, it doesn't give us a date. You know, it doesn't give us some of the things that we see in later letters, like like in Paul, or or even like other places in the New, in the Old Testament, like Exodus or Leviticus, like our Numbers. It doesn't really give us that detail. And so, whether this now Psalm twenty three is is David's, the Psalm of David, but this could be the could this could, this Psalm could be just a reflection of David thinking about his life, you know, and then he's thinking about his life journeys and the things that he's gone through. And then as he's thinking about that and all the things that he's gone through, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Or this could be something more like David is out in the field. He's keeping sheep and he's just thinking about the fact that, you know, man, you know, I used to keep sheep and man, you know, I used to keep sheep and, well, God leaves me, so the Lord's my shepherd. So we don't really know where David is or what David is doing in the context of of this song. But what we do see is that David believes that the Lord, that he has a personal relationship with, with God in this way, that the Lord is his shepherd. Now, here's what this idea of shepherd means. So, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this, but a shepherd is one who protects and guides. Pretty much it. He protects the sheep, leads the sheep to food and things like that. And so how can David say that the Lord is my shepherd? So if, you, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible, just hold, hold this spot in Psalm 23, and we're just going to look through just, just a highlight reel. We're just going to look through the highlight reel of David's life. Just, just very briefly, just very briefly, we're going to walk through the highlight reel of David's life, and we're going to look at this idea of that David says that the Lord is my shepherd. So we see in First Samuel fifteen, the Lord rejects Saul being king because of his disobedience. We see in Saul well, First Samuel fifteen, we see that the Lord rejects Saul because of his disobedience. We see in First Samuel sixteen, we see that Samuel is grieving over Saul. He is praying. He's like, Lord. Give Saul another chance. God says, stop praying for Saul, Samuel. And he says, I have a king provided for me in this little region over here. And we see that David is anointed king. He's in, you know, so you have this little parade here of all of David's older brothers. And, and David's out there in the field somewhere. And Samuel's like, hey, hey bro, like, you got any more kids? <laughs> you got any more kids, man? God told me that a king is in here somewhere in your family. You got any more kids? And Jesse's like, Oh, well, yeah. I got that kid out there in the field, keeping the sheep. Samuel's like, Go get him. Go get him. And so David comes in, and Samuel and, and the Lord says, This is the man. And so David's anointed king. You see in 1 Samuel 17, David fights Goliath by himself, one on one combat. He wins. We see in 1 Samuel 18, the the fallout, the residue of this enormous victory of David. We see that in 1 Samuel 18. So here's this guy who's anointed king. Here's this guy that fights a giant and kills him. And one of the same people that ought to be rejoicing with David is the one that wants to kill him. So Saul. So for the next several chapters... Here's this guy says, God told me I was going to be king. I killed a giant. Okay, that's pretty cool. The Lord is my shepherd. That sounds really good, being the Lord is my shepherd in this little, you know, I'm a king. You know, God told me to be king. I fight this giant. I kill him. Sounds really good. First Samuel 18, people are singing songs about David. Like Saul has struck down his his thousands. And David is 10,000. So like his song is like popular on the radio or iTunes. It's on the charts. And then we see for the next several chapters in David's life, recorded in 1 Samuel, he is on the run like a fugitive. But he says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd.'" He said he says that he says the Lord is my shepherd and we could go on and on and on and on throughout David's life. We could see in moments when David makes huge grave errors and he feels the weight and the consequences of his sin. And we see him being restored. And through all of that, and when he thinks about his life and he thinks about the things that he's done and the things that that he's seen God do in his life through his making good decisions and God making good out of the bad decisions and God restoring him, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so when we, when we think about this reality, that, the, that when we say that the Lord is the one leading our lives, when we look throughout 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 15 and forward all the way through 2 Samuel, we see this reality that God is leading David's life. But there are times even in the midst of God leading David's life where it just doesn't look like God is leading David's life. It just doesn't really feel like God is leading David's life. You know how frustrating it would be if you were told to be king, that you were told when you were like, 15, hey, you're going to be king or queen, and then you're going to spend the next 10 years as a fugitive living in caves, right? Running from cave to cave in fear of your life all the time. I would I would start to question a little bit. Are you my shepherd? (laughs) I mean, like this it's just not going like the way that I thought it would. Lord, you, you said, you know, when I was a teenager, I'm going to be king. And and now I'm on the run as a fugitive. How in the world does that make sense? And what we see in the life of David, 1 Samuel 15 and 4, we see the reality of a personal relationship that he has with Jesus. Like that's the only thing that gets him through. That's the only thing that gets him through being anointed king, being a fugitive, spear thrown, you know, a javelin almost throw it at him like a couple times Couple times, a jab, you know, he dodges it or whatever. It would be really hard for me. For me, I'm just being honest. It would be very hard for me to say, man, the Lord is my shepherd. Going through having, having that promise, having those promises of God that you're going to be this, and then your life just kind of doesn't look like, doesn't feel like it's going in that direction. But David says through it all, through the course of his life, he says that the Lord is my shepherd. And we see the reality and we see the necessity of having a personal relationship with with Jesus. So we have a shepherd who is personal, personal. And so like, and this is the, this reality is so awesome because David is saying that, The Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is my dad's shepherd. He didn't say that the Lord is my grandpa's shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is my brother's shepherd. He says my shepherd. He is the one leading and directing my life. How difficult is it for us that when we face adversity, when life doesn't look like the way that we want it to look, how easy for a, it is for me. I know I know I'm just, just talking about me here. Maybe maybe not for you, but I know for me that when life doesn't start looking like the way that I thought it was going to look, I start asking questions. Lord, like, are you leading me was <laughs> like or what are you leading me? Why are you leading me this way? <laughs> I'm like, Why are you leading me this way? It doesn't make any sense. But the reality, we see that the Lord is my shepherd. It's just, and all that's in this this little verse, the Lord is my shepherd. So we see we have a shepherd who is personal, but then we also see we have a shepherd who provides. We have a shepherd who provides. Okay, we're going to look at a couple other words in verses 2 and 3. He says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so when we see this reality that, that the shepherd is the one who is our provider, and I'm not talking about cell phone provider. I'm talking about the one who, brings, who puts meat on the table. He brings the good. He delivers the goods. When when this reality of I shall not want, this is not saying that this is like, God is like Santa Claus. That's that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that, you know, this idea of I shall not want. We're not talking about this reality of if I do good things for God, I deserve good things to happen to me in the way that I want them to. That's not what we're talking about. just want to clear that up. (laughs) We're not talking about that. He says... I won't lack anything of what I need. And so the shepherd, so in all of this, everything that we're going to talk about today, all flows from the Lord is my shepherd. Everything in this passage flows from that reality. So because the Lord is my shepherd, the reality is that he will provide me with what I need. when he says I need it. Now that's Problematic. That's problematic. How in the world, Lord? I'm thirsty. Lord, I need something to eat. I shall not want. What? Like, but I'm hungry right now, though. Like, I'm like right now. I need this or whatever this thing is in my life. Like, I really want it right now. But the reality is that if the Lord is our shepherd, then it's this. This is not fun. Right. This this is this is not going to sound real nice. But he gives the order of when we receive the things that we need. He takes the responsibility. And the initiative to give the sheep what the sheep needs. He makes me. (laughs) I mean, it's right here. I know like because he's the shepherd, he sets the terms. And out of love and out of mercy, he, he sets the terms. He knows what we need. But the reality is we might not get what we need when we want it. See that we have a shepherd who is a provider. He gives us lasting nourishment. That results in our restoration. He restores my, and so, and so sometimes when we look at this, this, the song, not everything fits nice and neatly in the shepherd category because it's this, this Lord, this, this shepherd analogy that we see here. Because David does something kind of weird because he's talking about a sheep and then he says, he restores my soul. And this is kind of weird, you know. Sheep have souls, you know. Like, and so we see a lot. We see a lot of like mixing of metaphors going on in this passage. But the overall p- that we see is that the shepherd provides what we need when he says that we need it. So that we see that aspect. But then provides us lasting nourishment when we need it, not when I want to need it, <laughs> not when I want it, but when he says. All right, you you really need it right now, and I'm going to provide for you. So we see that he provides lasting nourishment, but he also provides for us the way to go. So this idea, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So here's what he provides for us. So there is a sense in this passage where he says, he tells me the way to go, like like in, in a practical sense. You know, like there are times like if you read first Samuel 16, you know, first Samuel 16 and four, you'll see times in David's life where David just practices, Lord, shall I go and go up in a camp and camp against this group of people? And God says, yeah, you should do it. Right. And so there's there's this one moment. It's, it is so awesome. It's so good. There's one moment where David and his David's like Robin Hood. They was literally like Robin Hood out, out in the Judean desert. And he got like all the tired and poor, everybody angry with Saul. Those are the people that are in his group. And um, there's a little raid going against Judah. And God said, and so David says, Lord, should we in the groups, should me and the guys, should we go up and fight against these people attacking Judah, attacking our people? And it's only like 200 people. David only has like two or 400 people in his little, in his little posse. And and David says to the guys, he says, guys, you know, this is going on in our homeland. I think we should do something about it. And his guys say, nah, bro. (laughs) Like, nah, man, we ain't got enough numbers. We ain't got enough numbers for that. So David prays. He says, Lord, should we do this? And God says, yes. And they go and do it. And so when we look throughout David's life, we see moments where very practically he said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But then also we see in this idea of he leads me in paths of righteousness. It also carries with it this idea of. He tells us how we need to live. He shows us how we need to live. He leads me not only in the way that I should go when it comes to decisions that I need to make, but also in how do I live in this world? When it comes to those sort of decisions, he leads us in that as well. But let's not miss the last, these these other little words. After that, he says, for his name's sake. A name in this sort of culture conveys a person's character. It, it conveys a person's reputation. It conveys a lot of different things. And so what David is saying is that, that the way in which he's going to lead me is going, always going to be in accord with who God is. And what God is like. And so God, God is good. God is merciful. God is loving. God is a lot of different things. And he's saying that God is not going to steer me in the wrong direction. So we see that we have a shepherd who is personal. We see a shepherd who is our provider. Um, Not like Sprint. Um, that goes out on us every now and then. Not like Verizon. He is our provider who, who provides for us what we need when when we need it. Then there's a problem. Something something happens. In verse four, so we see a shepherd who is personal. We see a shepherd who provides. But something, something's going on in verse four, because he he just puts this idea, he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Then in in the next verse, he just says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how do we get from? And this is the question that that I'm you know, I'm I'm just kind of thinking about is how do we get from God leading us in paths of righteousness in the way to go? And now that and now we find ourselves in him leading us, we find ourselves in value of shadow of death. How do we get there? And David just puts that idea just right there, doesn't, doesn't really deal with that. He doesn't, it is just there. He says, He in verse 3, he leaves me in passive righteousness for his namesake, and in verse 4, man, bad stuff happens. <laughs> like he just drops that in there right there in verse 4. Bad stuff happens. Let's just look at verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is a very scary place here. Um, I mean, the words here in Hebrew are just like, like, I mean, it's like, it's it's like extreme. Like, I mean, it is a very dark place. (laughs) This is not a good place. And here's what he says. Now, I'm just going to be very real with you. I am afraid of the dark. I don't like the dark. Thank you. I got spotty in here. Man, I hate the dark. Bruh, like, oh my gosh. Like I sit with the light on. I mean, man, I sit with the light on sometimes, man. It's so crazy. You know, you're sitting there and just hear all these little bumps. You're like, oh my gosh, like what is that? You know, right? So, so get this. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? How can David say that verse three, God's leading me, verse four, something's going on and I'm I'm walking through a tough time. It's kind of dark. And he says, I'm I'm not afraid. How can David say that? Here's how you can say that. We have a shepherd who is present. We have a shepherd who is present. What are you talking about? Let's look at it. For you are with me. Man, that's just good. What David is saying is that even now there's some things happening between verses three and four. God's leading. He's leading us in the way to go for his name's sake. And even in the midst of that, bad things happen. And David says, I won't be afraid because you're with me. So David, even in the midst of facing tragedy or pain or whatever this looks like for him. He recognizes the reality that the shepherd is with me. We have a shepherd who is present. Now, if that idea is, is new, if you think in this passage David's just being rogue, he's just, you know, doing he's being innovative, just want to put out right here that this is an idea that we see all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, throughout all the Bible, we can see this reality that when God's people are suffering, God shows up, that when God's people are going through hard times, God shows up. And so one of my favorite places, one of my go to places um, for that, I mean, we could see that in Exodus, very huge ways, but one of my favorite places to to illustrate this reality. Is, is in the book of, of Acts. Book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, it's, this is good stuff. This is good stuff, right? And so, so there's this guy named Saul. Acts chapter 9. There's this guy named Saul. And I'm just going to read you the biography. I'm going to read you the scouting report on this guy. But Saul... Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Okay. That sounds like a really good guy to invite to church. Okay. Not, not this, this does not sound like a good guy. This, I'm going to, I got some more scouting report information on. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at like Damascus so that if he found any belonging to this group called the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. All right. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus on his way to throw Christians in jail. Didn't matter who they were, male or female. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him. Saul, Saul. And I really want to want us to, to, to feel this. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul don't know who this is. Saul is on his way to throw Christians in jail. And he he gets stopped by someone. He has a conversation. And he said, Who are you, Lord? (laughs) Who, Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom... You are persecuted. That's what he says. And, and G, this is Jesus. Jesus is in heaven at this point. He's already, when you look at Acts chapter, he has already ascended into heaven. And so while Saul is doing the things that he's doing, persecuting the church, Jesus comes down. You see, and see, I'm just going to just get in my soapbox a little bit. Sometimes we say we want God to show up but sometimes he doesn't show up like the way that we want him to. And so Jesus shows up in a very real way. And he says, he didn't say, hey, why are you persecuting people who follow me? He didn't say, stop that. You know, he didn't say, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be hurting people like this who are following, following me. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? So let's bring that back to Psalm 23. So when David says, even though I walk through, not dwelling in, but when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David, without having the resurrection, David, without having, you know, the New Testament, David, without having most of the Old Testament, David would have only... That's what his Bible would have consisted of. The five most... And like so that would have been his Bible. That would have been the thing he had devotionals for. Like he would have had little devotionals. Our daily bread would be in the beginning. God (laughs) created the heavens. That's what his daily bread would have been. It would have been something like that. His daily bread, you know, the little devotional would have been like something out of Leviticus. The Lord is holy. That would have been... And in his knowledge of what he had as as scripture, in thinking about possibly God's rescuing Israel out of Egypt and walking and being patient with them throughout all their journeys, he says, for you are with me. But the reality is, is that sometimes, when we face tragedy, when we face hard times, the reality is that there are times in our lives when we feel like not present. Even though we could have the belief, even though we could have the conviction that God is omnipresent, we could have these big old words that that, that convey, we can have all these verses of scripture that attest the reality. Of God being with us all the time, but there are times in our lives when we don't feel like He is present. So when we look back in David's life, when we look back, there, there were times in David's life where he needed somebody to encourage him. There was one moment in that little saga of him being a renegade and being Robin Hood um, and just him and the band of thieves there where. Jonathan comes up to the stronghold, wherever the stronghold was, and he strengthened David in the Lord. Like, that's what it says. So, there are moments in our life where we need people to remind us man, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with you as we go through whatever this situation is. So we have a shepherd who is personal. We have a shepherd who is our provider. We have a shepherd who is present. He won't leave us hanging. Have you ever time when somebody said, man, I, oh, bro, I got your back. Man, I got your back. Man, count on me for anything. Then you call them, can't get a number. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, do you get that? Sir, you get that message. We're sorry, this, this this number is not in order. <laughs> You're like, or you call and then all you get is a voicemail. You leave a couple of voicemails. I know, right? And so like when, have you ever had people in your life who said, bro, I got your back. But then when you need them, they're way back there. They're, yeah, they got the back. They got your back, but like way back there. Can't even find them. We have a shepherd who is present. But then also in verses 5 and 6, we have a shepherd who prepares. A shepherd who prepares. Now this, And this is the one part of, well, one of the places in this little psalm where the analogy shifts. It's kind of hard to find some shepherd analogy thing going on here. It may be going on here. I'm not sure where. People debate that. But we see we have a shepherd who prepares. What does he prepare? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So here's, here's kind of what's going on. Here's what's kind of going on here. What David is, is saying is that he's drawing from his culture a little bit. To eat at someone's table in this culture means more than just, hey, you want something to eat? Like, it, it, mean, it means a lot more than that. Like, if you invite, like, in this culture, inviting someone in your house is like, bro, like, we friends. It's not that, like, we friends. No, we're tight. Like, like we we're going to hang out. Like, this is going to be awesome. And so this is a very intimate moment. This is a very relational, high relational moment, invited into someone's house. But then he says, you, you, not just like you're preparing a table, like you have a a seat here. You're preparing a a seat for me at your table in front of everyone who doesn't like me. (laughs) I'm like, everyone doesn't like me. You are putting me in a seat of honor in and amongst my enemies. So we see that, that our shepherd is providing a place for us at his table. But then we also see and at the end, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We see this reality of that the shepherd is providing a place for us in his house, in his house. So we get a seat at the table and we get a seat, we get a place, a permanent place in his house. And so there's a lot of the same ideas are going on back and forth in verses five and six. But what? David is attesting to is the fact that I will never, there will never be a point where I will not be in your presence. I will always be in your presence because you're my shepherd and I'm your sheep. I have a place at your table. Like we, we, we have a relationship. But then also David is saying that Like, and it's kind of twofold, like, like, I have a place of you're my place of refuge, like you're you're my place of safety. But then also, like in this idea of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, it's also conveying this idea of one day there will be unending fellowship. And so this idea of, you know, preparing the table, dwelling in the house of the Lord are all kind of converging on there will be a time. In David's life. So he's, he's not just talking about future stuff. He's talking about right now in the moment, I can experience you in real personal ways because I have a relationship with you. But there's also this longing in David's heart for one day, I don't ever want to leave. Like one day, like I don't want to go through the valley shadow anymore. Like one day I can just stay in your house and I can just dwell with you in intimate fellowship and, and relationship and always be safe. And so when, when we think about, you know, our lives and we think about, you know, going to work, right? when we think about going to school, when we think about aches and pains, you know, when we think about all the things, all the things that bring us stress and anxiety. This this little this little place here, Psalm 23, can help us navigate those times of well, I don't know what to do. You know, this 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 little place, this little place here, Psalm 23, this kind of that we're we're all well-traveled path here in the book of Psalms, when we are thinking about real practical life situations. This is a passage that says a whole lot more than. I'm, I'm a sheep and I eat grass and God feeds me grass. This, this passage says a whole lot more than the cute little picture that we may think of when we think about this passage. This, this passage gives us an anchor. This passage gives us an anchor when life gets, when we're in the valley here, when we're in the valley, this, this, this passage gives us an anchor to weigh ourselves on with. That when the sea is going crazy and the ship is just going like this, this this can be an anchor for us. That when the job gets crazy, when when life gets crazy, when health on all the varieties of things that go on with health go crazy, when life just is like a blur and life just kind of feels like you know I've ever like washed clothes and then like they all get all tangled up, right and when. Feels all tangled up. Like when life just kind of feels all this kind of jangle and you're just like, oh, this is, ugh, you're like, and you have to try to pull one piece of clothing out with the and it's just, just a mess. The Lord is our shepherd. In the midst of whatever we're facing, this, this passage clearly confronts us with an overwhelming picture. Of how great our shepherd is, but the question for us, and the question for me and for us, is: One, will we trust that he is our shepherd? You know, if if we're Christians, um, that, that's one of the questions. And, and I'm not ask, and I'm not saying that you can't ask questions. That's not. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But, but are, are we are we are we sheep? Are 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 we are we walking with them? And another question for us is: I mean, in the, in, and 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 I don't know where, where we're at here. For us is, are are you a Christian? Because if you're and see and, because here's one of the things in this text is that all of us, like every single human being on planet Earth, we will all walk through tough times here's what the Christian has that no one else has for you are with me. no other religion, no other worldview, no other manner of doing life, no other spiritual thing out there gives any of them what we have right here in verse number four. A lot of religions, they, they will give you, yeah, bad things happen. There are some religions that say evil is an illusion. It's just a figment of your imagination. It's not real. It's not a real thing. But, but what we have as Christians is... An unending and and this unbroken relationship that even when life goes crazy, God is with us. That's what we have as Christians. And so so I, I don't know where you're at on this. But regardless of what we're facing, we can know with confidence. And it doesn't have to be a strong confidence. It can just be. Lord, help my unbelief. I know you're good. <laughs> I mean, like Jesus gives out in the Gospels that there's a guy, a paral- his son who is a paralytic, and the, and, and the guy comes to Jesus. Jesus comes to the guy, and he says, "Hey, Jesus, will you heal my son?" And and this little scene, and and the guy says, "I believe." Helped out my unbelief, so this doesn't even have to be like a real strong confidence. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like, "Yes, I believe." It can be. Ooh, Lord, ah, yeah, this this is, I don't know how we're going to make it out. I believe. And so regardless of where we're at on this, we can have a small degree of confidence, a great degree in confidence. But for us, it doesn't have to be like this, you know, oh, you know, I believe mm," it can be like, oh, Lord, like, this is hard. Help me, help me to trust you in this. And that's what we have as Christians. And so, as we close this text, as we get ready to close in prayer and depart. Is the Lord our shepherd? And do we trust him? And do we trust him to lead us, bless you, and do we trust him to lead us in the way that he wants us to go? And not, I only trust you when you lead me in a place where I want you, where I want to be. Will We trust him in that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Um, thank you that you are our shepherd, even when we're hard hit. Even when um, we don't really get the whole picture. We never really get the whole picture anyway. But even when we have all of our questions, you're patient with us and you, you give us space to ask a bunch of questions like, why are you leading me like this? Where are you taking me? Why is this happening? We 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 you give us space, there's a lot of grace there, you can we can ask those sort of questions. And even in the midst of that, help help me and help us um, to trust that you are our shepherd. Jesus, help us to trust you that 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 when life just gets a little crazy, when life just kind of feels tangled up like a bunch of clothes in a washing machine. And it's just a big old mess. you got to untangle all of it. Help us to trust you. Um, Help us to trust that you are our shepherd who is personal, who is our provider, who is present. And that you are a shepherd who prepares. And that you're preparing a place for us. And that we have a seat at your table always. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.